This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. I got it right. Yeah. Um, Take two. We have so many things we want to talk about, so we're going to get right to them. Before we do that, though, I just want to give quick shout outs to some of the most recent uh, Patreon supporters. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Grammar Queen. (laughs) Uh, We got John S. Amy A. John W. Andrew V. Jonathan N, Sean G, Jorgen K, and Paco A. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. We really, really, really appreciate it. I wanted to start because this is the thing that's been on my mind for like two days running now, okay. and it's not political in the least. Oh. So it should be <laughs> like the least important thing. you've been thinking about something that's thing. not politics. I know. It makes no sense. Uh, it's Ken Ham, and it's the <sighs> attendance numbers. No, no, no. Hear me out on this. Okay, I'm going to give you... Here's the thing. He's lying about his attendance, and I think we caught him. Uh, he can't lie. He's a uh, Christian. He'd get struck by lightning. I know. It's so called science. It has to do with Ark Encounter, his newer attraction, not the Creation Museum. But here's... Let me give you the quick rundown of what he has said in the past. Okay. Keep in mind, Ark Encounter opened in July of 2016. Has it been two years? They are celebrating the second anniversary this weekend. So it's been almost exactly two years to the day. Uh Um, And just to give you a quick reminder, like in 2014, he said, we're going to attract 2 million visitors a year. 2015, still before it opened, mm-hmm. he said in a different place, we expect over 1.6 million guests our first year. Slowly back uh-huh. uh, Later in 2016, like a couple months after the arc opened, he said uh, it was, he said we're going to get 1.4 million for the year. Uh, he told the Cincinnati Inquirer, uh, Inquirer in October of 2016, we're going to get 1.2 million. <laughs> I know. And then as that first year came to a close, now we're at a year ago, Uh so they have the receipts now from like that first year, he told a Christian publication, you know, we had a range of from, we'll get anywhere from this many to this many, and we will hit the low end this year, and by his number, that was... That's what every businessman wants to say, (laughs) we'll hit that low end. That was 1.1 million, and one of his colleagues told a mainstream news outlet that we expect about a million people to have arrived that first year. So like you're saying, just entirely just Just downplaying all of that, right? But here's the thing. We have no way to verify those numbers. They're not public for that first year year can you explain why yeah just it's a private organization even though they're even getting though they're getting tax breaks they there's they're a, not basically uh, the tax breaks that they're getting from the state of kentucky if i have this right it's been a while since i looked this up um if they hit a certain amount for that first year kentucky is going to give them money for it oh, and i, I think they surpassed that and no one's doubting that okay and so they they hit their Do limit we know what that uh, off the top of my head, no. Okay. But they hit it, so whatever. Kentucky gave them a tourist number. But well, here's what we don't know for that first year. Like, month by month, how many people visited? We don't know. We're taking Ken Ham's word, and according to this, the lowest number they gave us at the end of that first year is a million, right? Uh-huh. That's what we were working off of. Now, an interesting thing happened after that first year. Grant County, where Ark Encounter exists, mm-hmm. said... Like, you're bringing people into the city. That's nice. (laughs) It's not really helping tourism so much, but it's more than we had before, so yay. But we also need more police. We need more fire trucks. We need more emergency services in case stuff happens. 
And so in order to make sure it's not just singling out Ark Encounter, they basically instituted a rule that said every ticket-taking attraction in the county, you now have to charge an extra 50 cents a ticket, and we're going to take that as a safety fee. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about the Ken Ham fought it. It's a long story. They we, lost. We covered it. We covered it then. But the point is, Much to my chagrin. now now they have to pay a fifty cent per ticket thing. And because it's yeah. a county issue, because it's a public record, mm-hmm. people can get that information. So oh. ever since last July, beginning of year two of Ark Encounter, we've been able to get a month by month ticket sale really? number. Yeah. And so anyway... So their estimate was $1.1 million per year? Well, for first year. For the first year. I mean, year. they said $2 million a year forever, well, whatever. But you would expect, hey, it's a brand new, huge attraction. Right. We're going to start off at a certain number. We're going to get higher and higher for at least a few years. Yeah. And then maybe it'll peak off a little bit. Yeah. Hey, that's the idea. There's an evil dog running around here. She just so, really <laughs> likes your recording equipment. But here's what is interesting. This is why I'm bringing this story up. This week... There were two news outlets talking about it's a, how it's the second anniversary of Ark Encounter. I'm going to read you what they said in the Cincinnati Inquirer mm-hmm. this week. Um, the structure, talking about Ark Encounter, opened in July of 2016 and, quote, drew about 800,000 visitors to Williamstown during its first year of operation. Answers in Genesis initially projected 1.2 million would attend. First of all... No, they didn't say 1.2 million. They said said, a whole range of numbers. Well, well, they started at 2 million. But 800,000. Where is that number? I mean, the Inquirer is a legitimate publication. They're not just making up numbers here. They would have had to have asked, hey, Ark Encounter, how many people did you get? Oh, 800,000? We'll print that. Well, could, could could that have come from the county somehow? Maybe. Of, like, this, this our tourism... They're getting it. Because, like, Chicago says this many people visit per year. I sure. Guess that's but those are coming from, you know, estimates that can be... They could explain it How to you if you knew who to talk to. Anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> but the thing is, like, they're saying it's 800,000, and I'm guessing someone at Ark Encounter had to have given them that number somehow. Sure. But that's still 200,000 less than their lowest estimate. That's year one. Yeah. That they had 800,000 during its first so year of they operation. They missed it by 20%. Like, it's yeah. not a small. And they didn't, I wanna be clear here, they didn't miss it with giant quote hands. They had the receipts. They know well, the I mean, answer. They the, no, I'm saying, right? I, they but missed yes, their they projected missed... costs. So their projected estimates, they missed those estimates. Yeah, by... and the only thing I'm, I'm harping on here is that. A million wasn't an estimate. That was after the year was over. Hey, how many tickets do you sell? They said a million. Oh, oh, oh okay. They okay. said that after the receipts were, and now Yikes. it's eight hundred thousand. So that's weird, right? It's weird. Okay, so that's the one thing. That's yeah. one thing I don't get. But the other reason is um, when they were also talking about year two in the same article, they said that they would get more people visiting in year two, right? And that's based on uh, t- how based, tourism works? Yes, okay. exactly. And here's the thing. Uh, they did? What they said in the article is that this year, they have, quote, one million visitors during its second year of operation. Think about that for a second. Okay. One million visitors, but that's what you said last year. 
Why? So here's so my thinking. Here's my conspiracy now? theory thinking. Maybe they just are backtracking and gaslighting us all and saying it was 800,000 in our first year. And by the way, our attendance went up to a million now. We're going up. It's a little revisionist history. Uh-huh. What's the alternative? The alternative is to say, well, we had 1.2 million or 1 million in the first year. And now we're going down in the second year. They don't want that to be the story. Okay. So that's part one of my little rant here. Uh-huh. I think they're lying somewhere here about the attendance numbers because their magical first year numbers have been changing all over the place. Tristan. Okay, here's the other thing. Like I said, the safety fee was initiated beginning of year two. So in theory, if they say, hey, we got a million people coming this year, now we can verify that, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a wonderful geologist who lives in Kentucky. His name is Dan Phelps. He's been great about requesting the public records on all of this stuff. So I can tell you exactly the month-by-month numbers Ark Encounter has had since last July. And I'll spare you all of this, but here's what we know. We have numbers from July of last year till March of this year. We're still waiting on April, May, and June to round out the year, Uh okay? But in those months, uh, we have the numbers... They're not getting a million, okay? Right. They're just not. They're not even close to it. And here's the other thing. On the same day they were telling the Cincinnati Inquirer, hey, we have a million people coming, Grant County News, like the local reporter watchdogs, Mm -hmm. uh, talked to the mayor. uh, And I'm going to read you what... I'm sorry, before I even get to the mayor. Here's what the Grant County News says. Blah, blah, blah. They were talking about how Williamstown <laughs> has had to... They need to get to, an editor. I know. <laughs> they were talking about how the county has not collected the anticipated amount from the safety fee huh. in 11 months. And they go on to say, the ARC brought in $374,000... Uh, $374,295 in 11 months. And what that translates to, if it's 50 cents a ticket that uh-huh. goes into that number... Oh. We're talking 748,590 tickets sold in 11 months. Every month except June. 750,000. Let's make it easy, right? 750,000. They just said we got a million for year 2 when the truth is in every in that entire year except for June they had 750,000. Yeah. Do you really think they had 250,000 people visiting in June? They don't because I, mean, I can It's beautiful in Kentucky. You're right. And that it's should humid it should, and 100 degrees. It's summer break. That should absolutely be their highest uh, yes, month. But But just to tell you in January of this year when it's not the highest month, they had 13,000 people visit. Yeah, they're not going to add another <laughs> Last third of their of their um, people coming in right. in one month. That's last July sad. they had one hundred forty two thousand. I mean, there's no way they're getting two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. last month. They're making up year two numbers, and now we can verify they're making it up. Okay. We're just waiting for the receipts to come in for those last few months of the safety fee. But like, he's just—they're just. Oh my god, I'm just pissed off. Okay, so. They're making it all up. Okay. No one's visiting the ark compared to what they said it would be and what the entire county was relying on when they said, oh, sure, we'll give you these tax right. breaks. Sure, we'll take some of the money people give for taxes and give it back to you. Right. Okay, two two quick things. Yes. What, this is the most ha- upset I've ever seen heaven. Two, two quick things. One, because it involves <laughs> math, and now I'm mad. <laughs> 
One thing is I want to clarify, and if you've been listening for the last couple of years, we've talked about this ad nauseum. But the reason that this is important and this is something that we we are have been tracking, and by we I definitely mean Hammett and not me, <laughs> is because <laughs> because this when when they proposed this Ark Encounter, it was very much like this is a, a business thing this is we're with is a good smart money decision because they have to find yeah uh uh, yeah and no no (laughs) sorry i was trying to think of what the name of grand county um yeah because they said we have to have all the space to build this giant ark but we want to get it from you so they're promising so they got a sweetheart deal in the exchange in exchange for hey we're going to bring all these people and all this business and all these jobs which which later turned out to be only for conservative christians right they said hey give us cheap land which they got they said hey all the employees we're going to take a cut of their paychecks Mm -hmm. and give it back to ark encounter basically to the company owning it yeah so Um, so it's not just pure pettiness on our part that we're sort of reveling in the 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 uh, apparent they, failure of not failure they the promised grant county we're going to do all of this for you if you give this to us right grant county gave it to them the people of grant county and gave they, it to them and they tried to i mean they it's been shady from the jump they got this sweetheart oh. deal deal protecting acting like this was like a like a six flags coming into your yes. town and we're going to bring we're going to bring all this and then when when grant county said grant grant Clark, county grant county said oh well we need this extra money for police for ambulances for for the support they said oh no no no, no sorry we're a nonprofit. we t- we're <laughs> right. exempt from we're a church so, like, we don't th- get so to- this has been like it's- shady from the get-go so yeah. i just want to make it clear for yeah. people who haven't been following it's this not story. just about ken ham lying because we could do that about plenty of things yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about they His made a promise size, for example. <laughs> they made a promise to these people in the county right and they're totally being shady about it yes. and we can prove it so, so it's my frustrating. next question is consequences question mark i don't know here's what dan the geologist suggested mm-hmm. uh he's like i don't i mean well, again <laughs> I love he's a geologist he's fantastic you keep name checking him as such <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's head of the local paleont i could be wrong no, he's not he's, a geologist he could be a paleontologist sorry he's a really it. good scientist but i think he's the head of a local paleontological okay. site whatever the word is um the point i want to make i'm reading is, jurassic park so i'm kind um, of an expert in paleontology right he now. was suggesting that, that the state of kentucky since they're giving ark encounter a tax break worth uh-huh. millions of dollars a year because they're bringing tourists into the town Maybe the state of Kentucky ought to do an audit of some sort to make sure well, they're I really mean, bringing in the people they say they're bringing in. Isn't that part for the course? Don't companies get audited all the time for Kentucky this Kentucky is run by Republicans right now, and Ken yeah. Ham has gotten a sweetheart deal from I the governor. I have another question. Ugh. Do you know... That wasn't an I at you. That was a Ken Ham. No, I... Yes. I was a little bit. It was, uh-huh. it was like 10% of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know, what's that land, the land that they've built on? Do you, and this, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. There's no reason you would know this. Was it earmarked for something else? Wait, I don't believe it was. Did they win any kind of bidding war or did they sort of take over this? No, they uh, said, look, you bacon. haven't developed this area yet. Uh-huh. We want to develop it into this thing okay. that we're building. But if we, if you let us do that, right. you can build hotels and more restaurants right. no, and no, we'll no, bring, that, yeah. That so there was totally nothing understand. there. I just want to make sure it, it wasn't, wasn't like a bidding war nope. of like Cedar Rapids or the Arkansas County. Not, it's not like Grand County said Cedar no Rapids. to Great America <laughs> and Six Flags. It's not like they said no to them and yes, Dark Encounter. Is Cedar Rapids the place in Cedar Ohio? Rapids and Iowa. Iowa. Is that the water park? No. 
Shit. I know what you're talking about. What is it? It's Gra- not that. Grand Rapids. Nope, that's, that's Michigan. That's a town in Michigan. <laughs> we can move on from the story. Yeah, no, don't text um, me, please. I don't care. <laughs> or tweet me. Let's talk about uh, Mark Harris. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, My close personal friend, Mark Harris. Uh-huh. So, Mark Harris... <laughs> So this is uh, so we're coming up on um, we're sort of in the thick of primary season, which is I think a time of a thing that most people don't necessarily pay attention to. Midterms, elections always have low in turnout. Historically, historically always have low turnout. Um, but this has been a specifically very interesting couple of years um, since since Trump has been elected. There have been a ton of like. Um, what's it when you pri- primary someone? Is yeah. that when you primary an incumbent? Um, we just saw New York. So anyway, uh, for those of you not in the U.S. who are listening, and I know that's like some of you. Yeah, there's um, this midterm election, which nobody generally votes in, is shaping up to be a huge turnout. It's the first chance to fire back at Trump. Yeah, in a sense. essentially, like the the um, sort of short nugget of what it is is presidential elections happen every four years. And then in midterm years, which would be 2018, a lot of Senate, House, local elections, state elections happen then. So, you know, Illinois, uh, we might get a new governor. And did I tell you I accidentally shook Bruce Renner's hand? <laughs> accidentally? Was, yeah, it was an accident. And also my friend booed him to his face. So, like, I feel like it <laughs> balanced out. It was at the Pride Parade in Aurora. He did not look comfortable there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, so so this is us. Try- um, if we get a majority, which we, we being the Democrats, get a majority in the House, which is not impossible, but also not a foregone conclusion, we could finally take a stand against Trump and his garbage policies and hold people accountable for their actions and for their words and for their deeds. So that's to say that all of that's to say that um, this gentleman, uh, Mark Harris just beat a GOP incumbent in North Carolina and the North Carolina ninth district. Now I don't know a ton about this gentleman aside from the fact that he's a former pastor. Do you know anything about his politics? I only know this really cool (laughs) quote that I found. Yeah. Basically Robert Pittenger was the guy who was in office right now. He's the Republican who represents the district. You would assume he would have a safe, it's a Republican area. Like he should have a smooth sailing in the midterms as well. But this guy, Mark Harris, beat him out by like a couple percentage points. It was a super close primary. And this year... Did he run to the right of him? uh, I don't even know if he ran to the right of him so much, even though his views are really conservative. But both guys are conservative. I mean, it's North Carolina. And they're both Republicans. Yeah, in North Carolina. I, I doubt their views are all that different. Okay. The difference is that guy's in Congress. Therefore, he's tainted somehow. And Mark Harris is saying... I'm not one of them. Vote for me. Yeah. And he got the Republican vote. He was the first challenger to knock off an incumbent this year because he knocked him off earlier this year. Oh, earlier than um, than uh, the New York 12. Like the one with Ocasio-Cortez from yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Swing at this that happened way no, earlier this year. Oh, okay. It was a big deal at the time just because, oh, the Republican got knocked off by another Republican. Right. Wow, that doesn't happen all that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's why this is a story this week. Go for it. So uh, Mark Harris used to be a, a, a pastor. Um, and in 2013, which was five years ago, he made a sermon with the following quote. <clears throat> in our culture today, girls are taught from grade school that we tell them that what is most honorable in life is a career. And their ultimate goal in life is simply to be able to grow up and be independent of anyone or anything. 
um, for uh, he's a Baptist minister, um, pastor, pastor, minister. I don't know the difference, but no one seems to have asked the question that I think is critically most important to ask. Is that a healthy pursuit for society? Is that the healthiest pursuit for our homes? Is that the healthiest pursuit for our children? Is that the healthiest pursuit for the sexes in our generation? So is it healthy to tell young girls that they can have a career? That's what he's getting at. Which is... Um, <laughs> is it good for us if we tell girls they can be anything they want to be? <laughs> like, what the hell? I mean, obviously, I think his answer is no. Right? <laughs> I think is that's that the implication. To, is that what he's trying and to get us to? And the same guy went on to say in the very same sermon, or actually he said this earlier in the sermon, yeah. uh, when he's talking about women and how the Bible describes women, mm-hmm. only one title is given to a woman in all of Scripture, Blah, blah, blah. The title given to a woman is helper. helper. Which is cool. Yeah. Like, it's one thing. This guy is anti-gay, anti-gay rights, anti-marriage, um, anti-gay marriage. He's anti-abortion. Uh, he holds all of these conservative Republican views. Yeah. Which, a- by the way, not even an issue in the campaign because you expect a conservative Republican to hold those views. From, from North Carolina, yeah. And the reason sure. we know about this sermon is because a Democratic Political Action Committee, basically doing opposition research in that district, uh, pinpointed this sermon as like, wow, this is crazy even for Republicans. This is something that today ought to be discussed and debated, and people should know that this guy feels this way about women. I thought you were going to say ought to be disqualified, and I was like, lol, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it should be. It's not, Um, unfortunately. So I... I just, I'm always fascinated by the, I, I think I, uh, I, th- I, I come from a place and maybe you do too, that like I grew up in very much a liberal bubble. And so I for like we, d- I deal with more like passive sexism than like outright should women leave the home in the first <laughs> place thing. So I really do find it shocking that, that people still have these conversations, but, but further, not just. The way this is framed to me is less about women should be wives and mothers, but, like, it's psychologically damaging for women to be out in the workplace. or It's it's what we call concern trolling, right? Like, oh, I'm just worried about your health. That's why I'm going to call you fat. (laughs) Like, that's not... You're not worried about my health. Um, So this sort of, like, faux, like, oh, I just want to make sure you're your happiest person. Right. I'm just and, doing women a favor, right. says this pastor. And and again, and I think this is something that I could harp on for every podcast for the rest of time is if men wanted if these if the GOP wanted women to stay to have the opportunity to stay in the home or a parent have the opportunity to stay in home with kids and somebody's there with the kids and raising them and keeping your home happy and dog hair free, unlike my particular home, <laughs> then they would be fighting for fair wages and and all that stuff that would allow single like single income families to exist again, which they I, to me it feels like they barely do, not gaslighting women into telling them that they're unhappy going to work. I don't know. I just it's yeah. it's it's really Again, frustrating. This is it, this is hard even for Republicans to defend, which is why this is becoming a story now because 
the Democrats are looking for any reason to, to get on this guy. Yeah. But, but the most interesting thing I found about this, which I didn't see reported anywhere, was that the, the video that American Bridge, the political action committee, mm-hmm. the video of that sermon, the audio they released... Uh-huh. Even though this whole story about what he said in the sermon just went up like yesterday or the day before, they took they have this video on YouTube unlisted from May 9th. They were sitting on they were sitting on this for about two months waiting for the right time to strike. And that was after he won the primary. I was just about yep. to ask that. I wondered the same thing. It was right after so they knew this right after, but they held on to it for two months and they just deployed it this week. Kind of surprised they didn't push it further toward November. I, which means a couple things. One is they, they went have through, something they else. have more. <laughs> yeah. And, but let's let this thing fester for a while and let's see if it gets anywhere. Yeah, right. I mean, That's the thought. And it makes sense. Like in this day and age, if you're, if you're a pastor and everything's being recorded, like you have, like if you are, I ran for political office, they, our opponents would have oh, hours have and hours and hours of I, like garbage that we've said. I have no doubt that, the political action committee was like, okay, well, what do we know about this guy? Mark Harris, good luck Googling that name. But, <laughs> That's he's, a good a, point. but he's a pastor. Well, then he has sermons. Let's look through them because, again, it's a goldmine. Let's look through and let's see if there's anything yeah, he's he said. Baptist, which it. tends to, they're pretty hard line. Yeah, they're usually pretty conservative. By the way, the uh, CNN, who broke the story as far as I know, if I'm wrong, but they actually, they reached out to the campaign and said, hey, we know you said this, so before we could put out our article, do you have any response? Uh-huh. And the spokesperson for the Mark Harris campaign said that he has a proven history of working alongside women and men who oh, view the world so very brave. differently. Um uh, than, than he does to strengthen his community and for the greater good, and that he, quote, doesn't feel it's necessary to defend the statements from Scripture, which is basically a way of saying, like, I have Jewish friends and I work with women and stop asking me about this. Yeah, he... Um, <laughs> yeah, and he, he referred to women's core calling, which <laughs> yes. in, his, in his view is being a wife and mother. Yep. And so it's not that you can't work outside of the home, but... Like that's not what you're meant for. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want if we have any listeners who are um, North Carolina Ninth District, which I don't know exactly where that is, um, but the the Democrat running against him, um, he's a Marine uh, veteran, a businessman. His name is Dan McCready, um, and they haven't had a Democratic representative since the 1960s. So if you happen, are people. in that area, up and at him, my friends. Yep. Let's talk about Scott Pruitt because that was a story. This <laughs> I actually don't want to talk so much about him because he's he's Why? a disaster so for the EPA. It's so the fun. only thing I want to bring up about him and forget his so corruptness. He, it's, it's Friday evening. It's late. It's this super is, late. This is friendly atheist nights, my friend. <laughs> um, it's ten forty-five Friday, the sixth of July, yeah. twenty eighteen. So he just resigned yesterday. Today, yes- much today? To my del- was it today? yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. And yesterday, and he actually submitted. I think it was hours after Trump tweeted out that you're not working here anymore. He sent Did you Trump read the resignation a resignation letter? letter. It says blessed. He's been blessed. I'm blessed to work. Did he say it hashtag letter. blessed? Uh, he did not. Okay. But he said it four different times. But this is the <laughs> line that really, really drew, uh, got some eyeballs. I be- he was saying this to Trump. I believe you are serving as president today because of God's providence. I believe that same providence brought me into your service. <laughs> If that isn't an argument against God's existence, <laughs> I don't know what is. 
Like, you're president because of God. Isn't it fucking fascinating that, like, Trump is there because of God's will, but Obama is there because of Satan? (laughs) Pretty much. He's the Antichrist. I mean, and the thing is, like, okay, God put Trump in office, apparently, and God put Scott Pruitt as a cabinet member. Like, God helped Scott Pruitt destroy a world through his deregulating of the EPA that God himself created... And God apparently is fine with scandal uh, yeah, after scandal. But like, what is it? What is Scott stewardship? Have you heard of it? <laughs> yeah, stewardship That's, of the world that God gave you yeah. is not gutting it of its resources and just no. ruining it. If you're a good Christian, you would know that Jesus Christ is coming back within our lifetimes. So who gives a fuck about the whales? <laughs> That's right. I don't actually have more to say about Scott. I just thought it was so weird that this guy says, I want to thank God basically for you and thank God for me. And yay, I'm blessed to be here. Even though you you're leaving on this like raft of corruption in polluted water that you created. His corruption was, it would have been laughable if it wasn't so horrifying. Like right. the, the it was shit stupid that he, shit that he was doing was, on top he, of the actual horrible shit. Yeah, like, and I think I will say, and I am guilty of this as as anybody, but I I think I certainly got pulled into his like weird scandals about like him wanting to be attorney general over Jeff Sessions, and he asked Trump <laughs> as opposed to like what I should have been focusing on, which was like. You know, we need the environment for breathing and stuff. Right. But he um, spent thousands he, of dollars on pens and tried to get Trump's mattresses Jesus from hotels. Okay. Ew, 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 oh, ew. Yeah, I know. Ew for life. Yeah. Gross, gross, gross. Um, there is this story. I kind of am going to miss him, though, because he no, felt you like. Won't. No, no, no. I, uh, he just felt like an easy punchline. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> hey, guys, you know what corruption looks like? It looks like this right. guy. Like, the hey, scary- look, at, look at this Scott Pruitt. <laughs> A verse and tell me, tell me what's going good about that. Scary thing is his replacement, the temporary replacement, who will probably be the permanent replacement. His wife doesn't care for black people. I don't think. Oh, really? Uh-huh. I don't even know all the details. I just know that guy is also anti all the environment stuff. What's his but name he's again? less crazy. Andrew something. I don't remember. It's but a- it, like whoever's going to take over is Scott Pruitt's clone minus the stupid scandals. Like it's yeah, just no, as bad just and bad. harder to. Like hopefully Andrew with Wheeler? Wheeler, there we go. Yeah, he's just as bad when it comes to the deregulation and anti-environment stuff, but he might not like do all the crazy stuff that we want to laugh at. Right. But it, and it's harder to pin down a smart corrupt person. Like Trump is stupid corrupt. Correct. But like there's a lot of smart corrupt people that he's are surrounding him and it's harder to pinpoint, like try to nail them down on stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to find his wife definitely did something hella shady. While like, you were finding say that she out, dropped an N bomb or something. <laughs> uh, that sounds familiar because I read something about that. But okay, you tell me while you were talking about that, let's uh, go to Arkansas. This is the place that has the Ten Commandments monument outside the state capitol sure, building. With what's his face? With uh, Sen- State Senator Jason Repair is the guy like who about put this it podcast, up. I can just say what's his face and have it open. I got you covered. Uh, here's the reason I bring it up. Remember that. The first time Repair put up the Ten Commandments monument, there was this guy who drove his car into the monument the first night it was up. Yes. And he said he was a conservative Christian. He's a born-again Christian, self-described Jesus freak. And he didn't like a government telling him what to worship, even though he agreed with the Ten Commandments. So he drove his car into the thing. Yes. Didn't he also have, like, he had some mental 
Well, yeah, so that was the question, like, what do you prosecute this guy on? Because he did vandalize what was at the time state property. And what happened, the guy's name is Michael Tate Reed. He did the exact same thing in Oklahoma a couple years ago. And then he, like, drove to Arkansas and did it there. Cool. Um, What happened is that a few months ago, a judge said he's unfit to stand trial for felony criminal mischief because of his mental state, uh-huh. but they also wanted to figure out what's going on. And more recently, the judge, like last month, the judge acquitted him of any wrongdoing because of his, quote, mental disease. He had to spend a month in a state hospital so they could evaluate uh-huh. him. And this week, they let him out. They said, you got a clean bill of health. You're good. Go home. Uh, there's a few stipulations with that. He's, he can't drive. Uh, he can't drink or do drugs. There are people who are supposed to monitor him, mm-hmm. things like that. But he's free. And so naturally, this is what I found interesting. A local news station was like, we got to talk to this guy if he's free. So they did. Okay. They caught up with Michael Tate Reed and they did an interview with this guy. And basically they wanted to know, like, is this guy really insane? Or like, is he fine now? And if you watch the interview, I don't think it's really clear. This is not a, I'm not making a diagnosis here. It's just like, oh my God, this guy could do the same thing again if he finds a way. Uh And here's what I'm basing that off of. When they asked him like, well, why'd you do it in Arkansas? He said, God called me to destroy the monument after we heard about the statue. I felt a huge pressure come over me. And I heard it inside. Destroy it tonight. Oh, no. He's saying this now in hindsight. You know he was diagnosed wrong? No. Um, he also said he doesn't regret the decision. He did the right thing. He's not saying he would do it again. He just this doesn't regret sick. it. Here's the scary part. At the very end, and they had to subtitle this because it was hard to hear in the local news station. When the reporter asked the uh, Michael Tate Reed, are you called, since God called you to do it that time, are you called to do anything right now? And what did Reed say in response? Oh, God. Just get ready. This man is mentally ill. I and literally. He needs to be. I reached out to uh, Jason Repair and I'm like, hey, this guy said this. Do you have any comment? Because I'm writing about it. And Repair, uh, without going into any details really here, basically was like, what do you think of this guy? Thinking I might know something. <laughs> I, mean, I told him, I'm like, I don't know this guy. But that statement's really weird. Uh-huh. And remember, when uh, Jason Repair put up the monument once again, he put four concrete barriers around it last month, mm-hmm. precisely to stop someone from driving into it. Um, but the way Reed was acting in that interview is like, I'll find a way. I don't know. That's what it came off to me as. <sighs> yeah. I, and by, just to be clear. I'm not advocating that. That's a horrible idea. I hope he doesn't do it. There are two separate lawsuits right now trying right. to take down that monument. That's the right way to handle this. I don't want to see the monument destroyed or vandalized because it's just you're giving the other side ammo. Yes. Do it yeah. the right way. I, first of all, I cannot find anything on Wheeler's wife, so I may have read something else. Okay. So I want to go ahead and redact that. I can't even find evidence that he has a wife. I may be <laughs> mixing up white um, dudes in government again. But the other thing, to your point... Yeah. I, I think that we can never make it clear enough that we do not advocate violence or destruction of right. public property. It's like you said, there's ways to go about doing this. Also, this man sounds genuinely mentally ill, and I very, very much and again, hope that doctors he's gave getting... him a clean bill. That's why he's free. So not diagnosing here. No, but like you're not repentant. 
at all. You don't feel bad about what you did. You're not sorry for what you did. And that makes me wonder if you might find a way to do it again. And let's not pretend that our mental health care in this country is so great that somebody who is not potentially a harm to himself or others might somehow get out of the care of doctors. Like, I just, I I, ho- I, ho- I guess I'm saying I hope this doesn't escalate. And, I hope it doesn't. And I hope... And I hope he gets the care he needs. Yes. Um. By the way, in that interview with the local news, he was wearing a backwards hat, and on the brim that you could see on his forehead, it said, Crunkster, 430. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Is what that a that reference mean? to something I'm missing? Um. Maybe it is, and I didn't catch it, but I did find a Twitter account that said Crunkster 430 Uh-oh. with his name on it. Oh, it's so his I own Twitter th- I assume it's his Twitter. There's only a few things on it. But the mo- latest thing is his new profile pic, hashtag new profile pic, sure. which says Michael for President, Freedom Campaign 2020. Hmm. Hmm, couldn't be worse than what we have now. I honestly don't think it Do you want a happy story? I guess. Okay. This is from Virginia, and... <laughs> There's a city there, Radford, and here's the story. Radford, Virginia had an election for their city council. Mm -hmm. They had five guys on the council, and uh, one of the things that happen if you go to their city council meetings is that they open their meetings with Christian prayers, and like only Christian prayers. They usually invite a minister to do it. But different kinds of Christians, right? Not even, really. (laughs) No, they have a Lutheran minister who usually gives it, or a local firefighter who happens to be the chaplain. So it's just the same kind of Christian. And if both of them... Um, and by the way, they're, they're not giving non-denominational prayers. They're saying, let us pray with amen. They are talking to Jesus. These are clearly Christian prayers, not prayers for everybody. And if they couldn't make it, one of the former council members would step in to give a Christian blessing. So every time, it's just Christian, Christian, Christian. Really got it covered. Yeah. But they had an election, and people were fighting. for. So there were two things going on. There was a guy trying to fight the mayor for that seat, for one of the five seats. Uh-huh. And there were also two women running for city council. Cool. Uh, and that was more of an open slate. Like, just the top two vote-getters get those two seats. And two of the incumbents were running, and two other women who were not on the council were running. Mm-hmm. Well, those two women won. <gasps> Yay! And the guy challenging the mayor won. All right. And... Now you have a five-member council, three of whom are new, two of whom are women, which is celebration in itself because that doesn't happen in this town. Are any of them but, not white, not Christian? Uh, I think they're all white. I don't know what their religious beliefs are, but they're one of their first orders of business this week when they had their first meeting after getting sworn in mm-hmm. was, hey, what do we do about the invocations? What? <laughs> and uh, Naomi Huntington, who was one of the women who was sworn in, made a motion like, we'll get rid of it and replace it with a moment of silent reflection. Hell yeah, Naomi. Uh, and get it, girl. Cutting to the chase, the other woman voted for it. The new mayor voted for it. Yes, so did yes, one yes, of the yes, other yes. incumbents. It passed four to one. All right. Elections. And it would not have passed if those three were not there. Guys, local elections matter. They matter. They also saved the town from what could have been a lawsuit if anyone wanted to pursue it. Uh Because this is illegal, what they were doing. So it was a fiscally wise decision. Take that, GOP. That's right. I don't know. They could have been... Republicans, I don't know their life. I did reach out to uh, uh, Naomi Huntington uh, to see, like, are, are you an atheist? Hang out with me sometime? <laughs> are you an atheist? <laughs> and, like, did you get any pushback? And I didn't hear back from her, just FYI. But well, Naomi, I hey. hope she didn't get any pushback. She shouldn't have. Where, t- tell me again what state this was. This was Radford, Virginia. Virginia. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I've got another thing about religion being shitty. Go on. <laughs> Not to swing it back there. <clears throat> so um, there's a woman named Agnes Hicks. She lived in Maryland. She died, unfortunately. Um, and her family had wanted to have her service at the church where she was baptized. Um, this was St. Mary's Catholic Church in Charlotte Hall, Maryland. MD's Maryland, right? Yes. Okay, thank you. I, like, I was 85% on that <laughs> one, but yeah. Trying I just, to think of what else it would be. Minnedota? Go on. That was a dumb joke. I'm sorry. Um, so, uh, so the service is happening. It's going, they want, I'm so, um, I should specify that uh, I actually don't know about Agnes Hicks, but her attendees were predominantly uh, black. Um, and everything was going fine as far as funerals go um, until an attendee went in for a hug and accidentally knocked over a chalice. Now, for my first thought was um, that a chalice is one of those like big, I'm, I'm picturing a uh, birdbath. <laughs> but a chalice is like a cup, right? It's, it's basically like, a cup holding the blood of Jesus so, in the Catholic Church. So we're not talking somebody like fucking like sacked a statue over. Like they knocked a cup off a thing. Um, the, oh, do I have his name? Do you have his name? I'll find his name. You I find his name. Um, the proceeding is Breezy. B-R-I-E-S-E. Breezy? Bryce? Oh. He said, <clears throat> he got real mad, and he said, quote, there will be no funeral, no repast. Which, do you know what a repast is or repast? No. Because I don't know what that, ex- what that means. Everyone will get the hell out of my oh, church. Oh, yeah. really? Just get the hell out. Yeah. Everyone will get the hell out of the church. Um, he kicked out the family out of a place of worship. He and kicked had them out during the funeral. Sorry, I want to be clear. He made them remove her body. The woman who died, who wanted to be buried at the church where she was baptized, somebody knocked over a fucking cup, and they're like, no, no, no. And he flipped the hell out. The repast is like the reception afterwards that he said no. And basically, here's... What the hell is he doing? Uh, Michael Breezy. Michael Breezy. Okay, I just want to be clear. Not only did he kick them out, then he called the fucking cops. Yeah. Dude, what are you (laughs) doing? And in this case, the cops turned out to be... Wonderful. Chill. Yeah. Um, they so, helped the family. Yeah. Out. So the police responded to the call. The officers determined that family had done nothing wrong. <laughs> Shocker. Um, and they they are kind of the, the, the heroes of the story. They escorted the family to another church in a nearby county. A nearby county, actually. That's far away. I don't know where they were if they were close to the border. Counties but, tend to be. I mean, yeah. that's a good point. Um, uh, in a nearby county, they finished the service. Um, the Archdiocese of Washington issued a statement saying, quote, what, hap- what occurred in St. Mary's Parish this morning does not reflect the Catholic Church's fundamental calling to respect and uplift the God-given dignity of every person, <laughs> nor does the incident represent the pastoral approach um, the priests in the Archdiocese of Washington commit to undertake every day in their ministry. <laughs> yep. I should say, so later on, like a day or two after all this happened, he did write a letter to a local newspaper where he said, I'm really sorry. I feel bad about this. It's not my fault. I'm just really racist. <laughs> he said, I am profoundly sorry for my words and actions. stop calling the cops on black people for living. <laughs> it's honestly getting, like, 
it's funny a little bit, but it's also like fucked. What? I up. just don't get what I, I don't know if he's just like something small happened and he snapped, or he genuinely like maybe he thinks they did it on purpose. I don't know. It sounds like dickweed but, to me. Yeah, or he was just acting like a dick. I don't know. But uh, anyway, he feels bad according to the letter he wrote oh, after oh, the fact. Oh, well, if he feels bad, um, then now and the good news anything, is that the police, like you said, it helped them. They helped the family get the body to a different place. They mm-hmm. did a funeral elsewhere which went fine as far as funerals go yeah but, but again like it's like a wedding like tainted. it's like in the sense that you get one shot to do it right don't screw this one up yeah no and this guy ruined the most like a really important day that's yeah, this guy's weird. a straight up dick i do want to bring up the supreme court picks that are coming up oh, uh trump is supposed to them. trump is supposed to announce it monday he'll probably tweet it out whatever days before um there are three candidates that I've heard on a short list. There's one I want to bring up because she at least has more of a connection to all the church, state, religion stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I genuinely think she's the one he's going to pick. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett is her name. The reason I think he's going to do it is because pretty much all these people are interchangeable. The Federalist Society picked them ahead of time for him and said, just get someone from this list. And so they're all anti-choice. They're all super conservative people. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on that list in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're thinking, let's overturn Roe v. Wade, let's like block abortion as much as the Supreme Court can, I think a lot of Republicans are like, please make a woman do it instead of just five like people, five guys on the Supreme Court. Uh, at least optically, it would be better if they had a mm-hmm. woman doing it. Anyway, so I th- that's why I think he's going to go with her more than so any other no. reason. Um, Sorry, I almost choked because yeah. I just got so mad. So they know. They know how bad this is. They know yeah. how bad it looks. They yeah. don't give a fuck. They're they interested about in the optics. optics. Yes, not about the actual oh, issue. Fuck these um, dudes. Oh, my Christ. Here's what you need to know about Barrett, though. Um, and there's a, a couple issues. One, here's why, besides that, here's why they might like her. She graduated from a non-Ivy League school. Like so that looks good for the unelite. She go Uh, go to Notre Dame or uh, somewhere else or something. But she taught at Notre Dame. She is super Catholic. We'll talk about that in a second. She lived. uh, She lives in Indiana, which is not the coasts. And you know how much Donald Trump hates, even though he lived in New York. And also Indiana is where Joe Donnelly lives, who's a senator, who's a moderate Democrat, who's up for re-election. What's this girl's name? Um, Amy Coney. Uh, Barrett. Okay. And Joe Donnelly is going to have to cast a vote. And like, it's going to look really bad if he says no to the hometown judge. He can do uh, she worked. he sees in his heart. Amy Barrett Coney, uh, Coney Barrett worked for Antonin Scalia. When she worked as a law professor at Notre Dame, where she taught for a number of years, she signed on to a letter that said Notre Dame shouldn't cover contraception for students. So she, we, because that's an abortive fashion or something. Like, she didn't want that happening. She's 45? Yep, she'll be around forever. She's 45? All the other guys are 40s, too. The other two that they're going to pick. Um, here's the religion angle to this story, though. Barrett says she's a Roman Catholic. She belongs to a specific group of people, uh, a specific sect that isn't affiliated <laughs> officially with the Catholic Church, called People of Praise. And here's the thing. We didn't actually know that. She got confirmed last year to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, which is kind of the step you take before the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So it happened really recently. And when they were asking her questions based on things she had written in the past, here's the thing that uh, some of the senators picked up on. In 2005, 
as a law student, she co-wrote an article where it's actually an interesting article, but she was basically saying, what should you do if you're a Catholic judge and you have to do a death penalty case? Because the Catholic Church opposes the death penalty. Do they? Yes. But the law says maybe that's a legitimate option. And so the question that she was trying to answer in this paper is, what should a Catholic judge do? Your options are, you know, recuse yourself from the case completely. Mm-hmm. Or do you say, no, I'm saying no to the death penalty here, but that might be circumventing the law as written. Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, one of the things she wrote is that we believe that Catholic judges, parentheses, if they are faithful to the teachings, teaching of their church, are morally precluded from enforcing the death penalty. In other words, we don't care what the law says. You can't do it. She also said they should, the judges, should, however, conform their own behavior to the church's standard. Perhaps their good example will have some effect. So basically she's saying, look, you're a Catholic judge. Find a way to not support the death penalty in that position. And so when she was getting confirmed to the Seventh Circuit, Senator Dianne Feinstein, liberal Democratic senator, said something that conservatives jumped on. She was trying to make the point that I don't think you could separate your religion from your ability to do your job. Did this happen with Bernie, too? Uh, for Something a different similar? person. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. no, not the same person. Right, but, yeah. and what Diane Feinstein said is, the dogma lives loudly within you, which is a horrible soundbite, but basically she was saying, I think you're going to rule based on your religion instead of what the law says, and yeah. that's why I'm going to vote against you. Mm-hmm. That's the meaning of what she was getting hey, at. Hammett, tell me which part was wrong. Nothing. Conservatives jumped on that saying, well, she's religious, so of course Democrats hate this woman. Well, yeah. Um, She did get confirmed anyway. But here's the thing. If Trump goes ahead and picks her, that's that's what's going to be the issue. People are going to yell at Democrats saying, well, they're only going to say no because she's religious. And you can't ask her about her religious beliefs. She's going to be on the bench for the rest of our lives. Yes. And after that confirmation hearing happened the New York Times reported that, you know what? She's not just a Roman Catholic. She belongs to this group called People of Praise. And here's what you need to know about the People of Praise. Oh, my God, I don't know. You've read Handmaid's Tale, right? Excellent. You've watched it, right? Here's the thing. Uh, Members of the group swear a lifelong oath of loyalty, called a covenant, to one another and are assigned and are accountable to a personal advisor called a head for men and a handmaid for women. You're lying Literally to a me handmaid. right now. Her mentor is a handmaid. The group teaches that husbands are the head of their wives and should take authority over the family. They also believe in prophecy, speaking in tongues, divine healings. Here's the thing. Is that weird? Oh, man, yes. Is it more weird than the other Roman Catholic like people that are on the Supreme Court right now? No, they also have really crazy mm. beliefs about God, too. We're just more used to them. I'm actually, what her religious views are, don't bother me. My concern goes back to what Feinstein was trying to get at. Can you rule independent of your judge? Are you capable of... Of your religion? Yeah, are you capable of making a decision that might be different than what your church teaches? You know, can you say LGBT people have equal rights when your church says no? Anybody else who's Christian or that's exactly right. It's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate line of questioning that every senator ought to pursue. And here's what's going to happen if she gets picked: conservatives, Republicans are going to say you can't ask her any of these things because you're just attacking her religion, even though there are legit church-state separation questions that ought to be asked about her. And by the way, she's been. 
I say this, you know, in the broadest sense of the term, she's been really good about not leaving a long paper trail. That paper that I just mentioned about Catholic judges and the death penalty mm-hmm. is from 2005. I think she was a law student in 2005. Like, don't, don't go after me for things I wrote in college. My mind has changed a lot since then. So yeah. you can easily distance yourself from that. But even on the appellate court, she's only been there for a few months. There's very little you could say, well, she did this, and how that's do, bad. I, like, how does... Some- I, I know mm-hmm. so, like, I know alarmingly little about how this whole thing works. How does somebody with such a short tenure um, on that court get the tap? For, how, because, how does she get shortlisted? Because that's actually seen as a feature, not a bug, that she has such a short resume. Because you can't say, well, you voted against abortion, you know, 10 years ago. But don't we, we want it, if you're the president... And you were picking your, your... Don't you want someone you could say, well, you did all these things in the past. I'm not... You're not a blank slate to me. Yeah. You're someone who I have a paper trail of saying you did everything right, so right. I want you. This is what I'm looking for in That's right. my replacement judge. Why would you and want somebody who's been the there for two, two other months? men that he's considering have this long list of opinions they've written, um, and there's... Just so on a scale of one to ten, how much would I hate them? Oh, you'll hate them. No, they're really bad. And they have a paper trail, maybe not necessarily like hardcore is abortion legal or not, but tangential to it. Yeah, they have a lot of that. And again, the reason you might want to pick this person if you're Donald Trump is because you're not worried about a blank slate because the Federalist Society has already vetted her and said, we know she's conservative. We know she would overturn Roe versus Wade. We know she would be against gay rights and everything liberals like. So if you pick her, you're fine because we already know her. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She doesn't have to have a paper trail, and she doesn't. Like, so it's a lot of, we've talked to her friends, we've talked to her colleagues, we kind of know where she stands on all these issues, even if you can't ask her about them. So like Donald Trump said, I met with these people, and I think some reporter asked him like, well, did you ask him about their abortion thing? He's like, no, we never got into it. He could be legitimately telling the truth when he says that, because he didn't have to ask her about it. Well, it's not like he's done any research on his <clears throat> that own. That too. Um, but that's the thing, like, he doesn't have to ask them. The senators don't have to ask if she's, like, for or against abortion. Republicans, when they're grilling her during the Senate confirmation hearings, if that happens, they don't even have to touch this issue because they already know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Federalist Society well, said she's cool. Who, like, what can they ask? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I keep trying to take my headphones off because I don't want to <laughs> hear this anymore, but I can hear your voice, like, actually across the table. You're welcome. I just, I'm just... I'm so tired. Aren't you tired, Hammond? Yeah, completely. Um, And again, I have less at stake, you know, in an abortion issue than everyone else does. The thing, just to bring up, look, I'm all for the Democrats doing whatever it takes to not having her do this, uh, to not voting for whoever Trump nominates. And, dude, dude, go low. (laughs) Block them however you want to. If you're Susan Collins, the one senator they think they might be able to pick off because she says she's pro-choice. I'm sorry. How do you do it, though? Because she says, like, I'm not going to vote for someone who's against Roe versus Wade or who thinks that's not But if they don't ask the question, how could she possibly know? (laughs) That's exactly right. By the way, one other thing that uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett wrote, and this was in 2013. This is not that long ago. Um, She wrote in a different paper uh, that legal precedent could be called into question if the judge felt that the previous decision was wrongly decided. Here's her exact quote. Soft stare decisis, legal precedent, helps the court navigate controversial areas by leaving space for re-argument. 
despite the default setting of continuity. Which is like, yeah, if slavery was wrong then, we need some space to say it's okay now. But in abortion, she's basically saying, yeah, it's been tradition for a while, but like, we need some space because maybe it was wrong. She's giving herself, like, this is what you would say. Yeah, because we know one thing about history is it tends to get, it's super liberal compared to the present. If you're if you're a Democrat trying to get Susan Collins to change her mind, or you're a citizen of Maine trying to call Susan Collins, Jeremy, um, she is uh, against. Uh, Barrett is against contraception access because she signed off on that letter at Notre Dame. She's against abortion rights because she's a Catholic and she's on the Federalist side of your list, and she's against legal precedent, which Collins says is a big deal. Like, there's ample reason for her to vote against this choice. I am so. I, I have a, I'm sure this is who Donald Trump is going to pick. There are two other options that are like on that short list. And those two people would also be bad, but for different reasons, even though they're all conservative. Um, but as far as religion goes, this is the one that actually has like, this is the one all the religion reporters have written about because she has a history with that. She would be bad. They would all be bad. But like specifically, this is why she, I just wanted to bring her up because I think she's going to be the pick. So, yep, you seem very upset. I'm not happy. Yeah. Hey, uh, listeners with uteruses, um, get your IUDs like ASAP. Like, this isn't a bit, this is a Get your abortions goop. now, I, get gay married now. <laughs> no, no, with, uh, with absolute sincerity, like, my Facebook feed has blown up with people being like, who has an IUD and do they like it? A copper IUD will get you through like a decade. I don't have one. I can't speak for it. I have a Skyla IUD. It's okay. It only lasts three years, so it won't even... It, like, it's not great. So, on, Hemet, I swear to fucking God, if I could tell you how many texts and shit I've gotten from women, like, hey, do you like your IUD? Like, women are... Many, many women are in full-on panic mode. And, like, what... What country am I living in? And again, a lot of this is going to, if they overturn it, it's going to go back to states in a lot of places. And some states are going to make it all but impossible for people to obtain, uh, to get abortions. And right now, by the way, if they haven't already, a lot of the states that have Republican legislatures, they're drafting bills for next year, if they're closed for session right now, Uh so that abortion is banned. Basically saying, we know the Supreme Court says you can't do it right now. Like, you can't ban it. We know what the Supreme Court says. But if they overturn it, it's going to go back to us. So we're going to have a law in place to make it illegal if we can do it. And in one example that uh, I didn't get the details yet, in one state they were like, yeah, we'll only ban it except in the case of her life. Like, I'm if her life is so in danger. Horrible. Rape, incest, those are not exceptions to that rule. So, I mean, this is going to be bad, especially depending on where you live. Um, if, and it's going to happen for anybody he chooses if it's from that list. So, I want to move to a different topic. Otherwise, we're just going to, like, be really bad by the end of the night. Uh, really quick follow-up from an old story. Remember Paige Patterson, that Southern Baptist no. seminary oh, guy? Oh, yeah, I do. Who was like, hey, if you're in an abusive relationship, women, don't get divorced. Just stick it out and pray. Fuck that guy. Um, remember that the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, at first they said, I hear the pouring, I hear the pouring. <laughs> uh, the trustees at the seminary said, you're fired, but we're going to keep you on as, uh, what do they call him, like, 
the president emeritus, and we're going to keep giving you a, a, a paycheck of sorts yeah. and all the perks and benefits. And then women came forward to news reporters, religion reporters, and said, when I was a student at the seminary, I was assaulted, right? I was raped. I went to Paige Patterson since he was the president. I told him about it. And what did he do about that? He told me to basically keep it quiet, don't report it to anybody, things like that. And then, only then, did the trustees say, you're fired and you're not getting anything from us. So it was the right decision after all the wrong ones, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what's happening uh, this week. Donors to the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary are furious that they got rid of him really? with like with no benefits at all. <laughs> and so a group of about two dozen donors. Isn't it how funny concern like how concerned people get about these like rich set up dudes like, oh, he's not gonna have his finishing benefits for like a week. <laughs> That's like, exactly what what's do? happening here. Um But like two- people don't have enough food to fill to feed their children and they're like, well, have you tried praying and Yeah. Working? And they don't care about the women who came forward apparently at all. <laughs> Uh, the don- two dozen donors who have given millions of dollars to the seminary yeah. and were probably going to give tens of millions more in the future, mm-hmm. as like leave it in their will sort of thing. Sure. They wrote a letter. They wrote a letter to uh, the school basically saying uh, that unless you give him back those perks and benefits and that title, even if he's not president, if you don't give him back those perks, we're not giving you any of those tens of millions of dollars. We're holding it back until you do what we want you to do. So what I'm hearing, Hammett, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You're right. But these people don't give a fuck about women who have been assaulted. No. They do not give a fuck about the mental and physical anguish that they've experienced since. No. They don't care about the trajectory it sent their life upon. What they're concerned about is a man who ignored victims who trusted him enough to come to them with one of the most horrifying and personal things that could ever happen to you. And he said, you're fine. Mm-hmm. And the hero of the story is that guy. Uh, the school did not respond at the time that this article oh, went up on the Washington oh, Post website. Because they couldn't think of anything fun to say? And, I mean, they couldn't spin this one? I know. I'm, what I don't get is, like, there's a clear right answer here. Especially, they could, they could make uh, lemonade here. If all they have to do is take that letter. Here's my idea. You take that and letter. You turn ground. on the camera. You burn that letter mm-hmm. on camera. And you say, we care about women who go to our school far more than any amount of money you give us. Yeah, but the Bible and says they you can't would lie. Get, so. And they would get goodwill from the donors who actually like what they did. And strangers who don't even know who they are would be like, yes, you're doing the right thing. They could maybe make back a lot of that money. They didn't do that, and I don't think they will do that. But as far as uh, right now, they haven't issued any response that I know of publicly. So there's that. Cool. Why don't you talk for a bit? Um, I have, God, I was going to say it's a nice story, but is it? Oh, you know what I want to talk about before I, I was going to talk about the, uh, the in, well, I'll, I'll talk about it quickly. There's a church in Indianapolis, um, Christ Church Cathedral, um, and they have taken a stand against the immigration crisis that's happening right now in the United States. 
um, they took, they put a statue of Jerry, uh, Mary Joseph and Jesus and put it in a cage. Um, they, they tweeted our, on our lawn tonight, we placed the Holy Family in hashtag ICE detention. <clears throat> the display also has a sign saying every family is holy and it's Spanish equivalent. Uh, cada familia es sag, uh, sagrada. I don't know what you just said. It's it's the Spanish translation of. I'm sorry, you guys. I took Spanish in high school. <laughs> it didn't stick. Um, they also said uh, the following: We pray for these families separated at the border. May God protect them and watch over them. We heard a lot of Bible quoted people trying to say what Scripture justifies and doesn't justify. Uh, this is from Stephen Carlson. Uh, he's the dean of the Christchurch Cathedral. I, um, quote: Our tradition. Our sacred traditions are crystal clear. People who come to us for safety, for refugee, are, for refuge, excuse me, are just like everyone else in our families. Our job as faithful people is to welcome people with mercy. Our religious images are supposed to remind us where God's heart is. God's heart is compassion with people who are in need, and our heart should be there too. So cool. Thank you. Um, thank you, Christ Church Cathedral, that it, makes me feel good that somebody's throw you know a church is throwing their weight behind um a, a good cause instead of doing fucking backflips to try to justify what's happening um i've got That's church doing a good thing yeah i've got one more thing and then yeah. i've got a couple listener mails or yeah. do you have i got else? one more two more that i want to bring up okay um quickly i just yeah. want to talk about um dave Egg, uh, eggers uh who uh, wrote a piece called A Cultural Vacuum in Trump's White House. This really isn't necessarily... It's pretty tangentially related to what we do here. Um, but I I, th- I read it, and I thought it was extremely compelling. Um, essentially, he digs back into... Uh, really, since the Reagans... Uh, in the White House, there's been a tradition of welcoming artists of all kinds, um, whether it's poetry written, whether it's music. Reagan specifically had a, a musical event a couple times a month. Um, and yeah, he, Obama had artists. Well, yeah, I mean, every week, right? So, um, and I think they, awesome. they harped on Reagan a little more for obviously. Hamilton. Lin Manuel Miranda like gave the opening song that's in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. He delivered that as slam poetry on a night they celebrated if slam poetry. If you've never watched that, that's amazing. It is one of my. It, it's I have a handful of things that I watch when I'm sad. One of them is Carol King and um, Sarah Bareilles <laughs> singing a duet at the Grammys. It makes me cry every time. But one of them is is um, Lamar Miranda performing the opening of Hamilton at the Slam Poetry Night, and he opens with like so before I, anyone knew what Hamilton this, was. This was ten years. This is like two thousand nine ish. And he said he went up on stage with him and his pianist slash composer, composing partner, whose name I don't know off the top of my head, and said, you know, I'm working on this new project. And and he was known for In the Heights. That was really what he was known for, which is his first musical. And he said, uh, I'm going to I'm writing. And he would he was only planning on doing an album. I'm sorry. You got me off on a tangent. <laughs> um, and he, he says, I'm going to I'm planning on writing this this album, this sort of mixtape about you know, the most gangster guy I know, the first Secretary of Treasury, Alexander <laughs> Hamilton, and everybody laughs and like, huh, it's good. And then he just like starts on, and, and he said, it's from the perspective of Aaron Burr, and this is who he is, blah, blah, blah. And he starts going, and within 15 seconds, everyone's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it, this 
it it's it's incredible. He looks incredible. like a tiny baby person. <laughs> He's so young and just so nervous. And thing and is, is incredible. The, the point Eggers was making is this happens oh, yeah, all the time. This happened all the time in Obama's White House, and it happened with Bush, and it happened with Reagan, and yes. everybody else. Yes. And can you remember the last time there was you, you literally music performed you literally can't because Trump's it's never happened. Um, right. He uh, he went through uh, different people. Clinton's brought um, Aretha Franklin and um, like there's a ton. Um, I think he also mentioned because I remember reading like the only people like the only musician that's been in the White House is like Ted Nugent and maybe Kid Rock or whatever. But I mean those I were. And they weren't for performances. Right, right, right. right. They yeah, were because yeah, you're the only there. people who like me. Some sort of um, yeah, so Edgar has said some, like, it's some very, I'm a person not this is unique to me. I, I think art is such an important piece of our culture. And that when we, and I kind of, so I kind of grew up, and we both did, in the 90s when arts funding was kind of getting slashed, like VH1 Save the Music was a huge thing for me growing up. Like I think I donated my trumpet that I played for two years um, to, to arts education. And I didn't, all I knew is I loved to sing and dance and do all that. Uh, and as I've gotten older, my my understanding of the impact of art on our culture has, has broadened, I hope. Um, and so this is something that didn't, of all of the, egregious garbage that that Trump has thrown our way this didn't even cross my radar but um but Eggers wrote a piece that I found super compelling um and I'm going to quote from his from his piece uh he said he does not have time to read books lol um <laughs> quote I read passages I read areas I read chapters outside of recommending books by his acolytes Mr. Trump has tweeted about only one work of literature since the beginning of his presidency do you know which one it is no Fire and Fury. <laughs> of course. Um, so this is the part I wanted to get to. Every great civilization has fostered great art. While authoritarian regimes customarily see artists as either nuisances, en enemies of the state, or tools for the creation of propaganda. Anyone who makes you think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Soviet, uh, blah, 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 uh, the, a Soviet leader said the highest duty of the Soviet writer, artist, and composer of ever creative worker is to fight the triumphant ideas of Marxist-Leninism. And this, I think, really, um, really struck me in the feels. But with art comes empathy. It allows us to look through someone else's eyes and know their strivings and struggles. It expands the moral imagination and makes it impossible to accept the dehumanization of others. When we are without art, we are diminished people, myopic, unlearned, and cruel. And I just think that's... Um, an extraordinary summation of of what art means to people. I think that um, art, he puts it very well, that art allows us to see through other people's eyes. And somebody who is entirely unwilling to do that um, is somebody who I would argue is more or less without empathy. Or, or it's hard to develop empathy when you have no. Thank you. That's a much better way to put it. Read. Like you don't. Uh, when you can't imagine yourself in someone else's shoes, yeah. like isn't that kind of the beauty of reading? Yeah. Like, oh, I know what your life is like yeah. now because I can. Yeah. I know what the Handmaid's Tale is like because <laughs> it's, it's my life right now. I'm getting fitted for my red dress now. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this story because I think, I think it's important. 
Um, I'm going to tell you this too. I wrote an article about this for my site. It got like no views. It got no. It got no comments. <laughs> so you want to blow it up on this podcast? That too. Well, I'm saying like Get every. And this, this happens every time. I know it's an important issue. And I know those kind of technical, detailed stories don't get anyone paying attention. And I would argue, you're which is why very I do good this. at at seeing the forest for the trees. You're very good at finding the sort of like it's bad for clicks, but I tr- no, but, but this yeah, is you're, because you. it's not it's it's not <laughs> clickbait. It is this right. little thing matters, and that's why I want to bring this up because this is not a small detail. This is a big freaking deal. And I'll try to make it make sense if you don't really follow uh, legal proceedings or anything. And and I'm not a lawyer, but okay, here's the deal. But he's married to one, so basically that <laughs> she makes doesn't him do a this lawyer. stuff at all. So I it's all good. But here's the thing. Okay, a lawyer. here's the story. Um, or here's what you need to know about legal stories. If you file a lawsuit for the sorts of church-state separation cases we talk about, there's a district court you go to. Hopefully, you get a win there. Mm-hmm. But if whatever happens, someone can appeal it. Then it gets bumped up to the next level, the appeals court. And a group of three judges in your region will take a look at your case and they'll rule on it. Hopefully they'll rule in your direction. But if the person, if the losing side doesn't like it, before you bump it up again, you could say, hey, everyone on the appeals court, all like 15 of you, I want you all to look at the case that three of your colleagues looked at. And I want all of you to give it another go. And sometimes they say, yeah, all right, we'll all take a look at it again. And the court decides? The, the, th- yeah, the, the three or the court is collective? The entire court as a collective okay. says, we'll listen to it again because there's a lot, it was a two-to-one decision, uh-huh. and maybe we want to take a look at this. And if that fails, you can go to the Supreme Court. to Maybe they'll look at it, too. Um, sometimes you could jump right from one level to the next without sure. asking the full appeals court. But, okay, here's where I want to get with this. Um, there was a story, I think we mentioned it on this podcast, but the version of it is in Rowan County, North Carolina. Um, this is a county where they had Christian prayers at virtually every meeting. And there was a lawsuit over this. It, and basically, it went up to the appeals court at some point. And what did the appeals court say? Like, no, you can't do that. It's illegal. You can't have Christian prayers at every meeting. You got to give other people a chance. They had a Supreme Court ruling about this years ago, Grease v. Galloway. Yeah. You got to let everyone speak at some point here. They asked, the losing side asked the entire Fourth Circuit, can you look at this again? And what did the entire Fourth Circuit say? They said, no, it's still illegal. Go away. <laughs> like, <laughs> stop asking us this question. So the losing side, the Rowan County commissioners, they asked the Supreme Court to weigh in. So you, so anybody can just tip, like if pop you have something the, up. If you have the money to do the paperwork and the lawyers willing to do it, uh-huh. it's it's costly, but you could ask oh, them. So it's almost like our democracy is sort of dependent on people having the funds. Yes. To, okay. And what did the no, Supreme I, Court do a couple of weeks ago? They said we're not looking at this case. It's settled. When I did like, that noise, I did double birds because <laughs> I'm a badass. So basically, and that was great news. The Supreme Court said, we're not going to look at this case. Yeah. You need four of the nine justices have to say, we'll look at it. Okay. They did not have four to say there's did anything. They have any? You don't know. I, we don't know. But not enough of them said, we want to look at this. It's been settled. You deal with it. Okay, so great news, right? Here's the other side of the story. And this is the thing that I didn't catch when it happened, but it happened. There was another story very similar to this, and it takes place in Michigan. And basically, there was a uh, Jackson County Board of Commissioners in Michigan. 
they were doing the same thing. They were having Christian prayers at every meeting. And one time, a pagan named Peter Bormuth said, like, I want to speak. Uh, and this, what you're doing is a violation of the law. He's saying all the right things. Mm-hmm. Not only did they say no, like one of them literally turned his back on Bournemouth as he spoke. Whoa. They basically mocked this guy during meetings. They called him a nitwit. <laughs> they... Another okay, warned. That feels borderline unprofessional. <laughs> they even said, like, we're not going to invite other people because they might express non-Christian religious beliefs. Another board member said, like, the lawsuit that this guy filed is an attack on Christianity and our uh, an attack on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Sure, that sounds like, like what he was they saying. They don't want any non-Christians praying. So the pagan guy who's suing them was totally right. Yeah. So guess what? A district judge. Um, basically says, the county's right. They don't have to let you speak. Like, what the hell? What? Like, dude, what are you doing? So Bormuth, the pagan, with his lawyers, um, I think he represented himself, maybe, but he, they asked the appeals court. This time it's the Sixth Circuit that covers mm-hmm. Michigan. Can you guys look at this? And guess what? The, the three judges assigned to that case, two to one, they said, no, the pagan dude is right. Whatever you guys are doing in this court is totally cool. wrong. It was a two-to-one decision, though. But they said, no, like, you can't have these Christian-only prayers. That's good news, right? Yeah. So what does the losing side do? What does the Jackson County Bump commissioners do? To... They ask the full court to weigh in. Yeah. Hey, entire appeals court, look at this. And they say, all right, we'll take a look at it. Really? They did. And this time... Hemant, uh-huh. how does this happen? And for whatever reason, they didn't like the reasoning like, they were how using. how clear... Okay, go ahead. No, no, finish your thing. The entire 15-member Sixth Circuit, they overturned the earlier ruling. They ruled nine to six to say the county's right. And here's what they said. Uh, The county is not endorsing Christianity because the county's policy is anyone who is elected to office can deliver the invocation even though we're all Christian, it's not stopping it's the it's we're not stopping the pagan guy from getting elected one day and then he can deliver the invocation. Go so on. their reasoning, the full Sixth Circuit said it's possible a non-Christian could be elected and then do it. So they're not doing anything illegal. So what they're saying is anybody can do an invocation if, if they are you're elected. elected and there is it, it the doors open for anyone to be elected so it's not an establishment of religion. That was their argument, what okay? Twats. But the thing is like when you say we're going to have Christian only prayers, you're kind of implying that non-Christians there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. You're making it harder for non-Christians to get elected because you're already saying we don't accept them. That's coming from the government. Yeah. So that's the argument on the other side. So again, what do you do if you're in the pagans position? Pack your bags and move away. <laughs> you say, well, maybe the Supreme Court will look at this because not only is do I think the reasoning here is wrong, but the Fourth Circuit like is going through the similar thing, and they said those types of prayers are illegal. So now you have two appeals courts saying very different things. Right. That's the ingredients you need for the Supreme Court to step in and do something about it even though it's a conservative court, but Kennedy was on it. You're like, maybe this will go on. Okay, so, but that's kind of the thinking that goes here, right? But doesn't that frustrate you? Like, oh, it's a conservative court. Uh, totally it, it frustrating, but everything, black and white. everything is okay. strategic about this. Yeah. But again, right. they asked the Supreme Court, well, you look at this. What did the Supreme Court do? They said, we're not looking at this case either, which means the earlier ruling stands, which means in the Sixth Circuit, those commissioners can deliver Christian-only prayers. Cool. So here's the thing about this. 
normally when the Supreme Court says, here's our list, they issue these lists on days when they issue decisions. We always hear about how do they rule on certain cases. What doesn't usually get reported is they also issue a list. They're saying of things they're not gonna of things we're gonna look at in the future. So this is how we know cases are going to be heard by the court. Mm-hmm. And here's the long list of everything we're not listening to. Well, on that list, one day a couple of weeks ago, was the Fourth Circuit from Rowan County and the Sixth Circuit case from Jackson County. They were both saying, we're not listening to any of this. And usually that's all you get. One judge wrote a specific piece, like a specific uh, response to this particular issue. They don't do that for all of them. No. One judge said... You guys, what the hell? <laughs> we need to look at this because we got two competing appeals courts saying very different things. It is our job to step in and do something about this. You know who that was? Don't tell me. Clarence Thomas. What? <laughs> Clarence Thomas. I'm so sorry. That was loud. I, I was expecting dude, that happen. That was my reaction too. And he was joined by Neil Gorsuch. Yeah, who said Are I agree with everything? Who said I agree with everything you're saying? Now, what there? And here's what Clarence Thomas said. I'm quoting him directly here. The sixth and fourth circuits are now split on the legality of legislator-led prayer. State and local lawmakers can lead prayers in Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan, but not in South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, or West Virginia. Huh. This court should have stepped in to resolve this conflict. Yes. He's totally right about that. Now, had they listened to it? How big are my eyes right now? <laughs> had they listened to it, I don't think they would have voted in the favor of church state separation. They would have said all the prayers that these people want to give are okay are everywhere. Cool. They would Love have said the that. Supreme Court. We would not have liked their decision. But he's right that they needed to fix this issue because maybe Kennedy would have said something. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. maybe a fifth vote would have said something different. So it's like I'll give props to Clarence Thomas. Like, he's right to kind of say, I wanted to hear these cases, yeah. but, like, not enough of my colleagues did. Interesting. So we're not doing so it. Thomas and Gorsuch? I know. <laughs> Interessante. But here's the thing. Right now, we're at a situation where, in some parts of the country, Christian-only prayers, more or less, effectively, mm. are legal, and in other places where it's clearly not legal right and there's no way to resolve that unless the supreme court issues my dude right that's what but that's what the supreme court's supposed to resolve and they they punted this time around yeah yeah that's kind of disappointing anyway that's why i thought this was this was a big deal yeah that kind of didn't go notice and like no one read it on my site but it's a big deal it should (laughs) i have one more story that i want to uh bring up it's a quick one that's fine um but it's also an important one because I'm seeing it more and more, especially during Pride Month. Did you also get no clicks on it? Um, no, this one got clicks, <laughs> okay. and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, there was a Pride Parade taking place in the Philippines. Oh. Uh, and one of the things, this was like number one on Reddit for a, a day. Um, it was the fact that in the middle of this Pride Parade, you had a bunch of Christians holding a sign, big sign saying, I I'm sorry. Did see that. And it said specifically, we are here to apologize for the ways that we as Christians have harmed the LGBT community. If you read the comments on that Reddit post, everyone loves it. It's like, thank you. Oh, like, are you going to have a so hot take about it? Here's my hot take on it. Yeah. Which is, I, no, don't fall for this. Mm. It's a lie. It's a prank. Like, no, that's the wrong words for it. Don't f- get suckered in by these people. Because I've also seen pictures of 
you know, a man who is clearly in the parade, he's gay, hugging someone holding a poster that says, I'm sorry. That went viral years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, There's similar cases of billboards going up saying, I'm sorry for what Christians have done to gay people. Hammett is not Um, falling for your trap. And here's why you shouldn't accept that at face value. Ask yourself, what are they sorry about? Because what they're sorry about is that Christians have a bad reputation. And what they're sorry about is that some Christians act really horribly. They, the, I'm sorry people make it sound like everybody's Westboro Baptist Church saying God hates, you know, fags, basically. And we know that's not the case. But there are people who do hateful things in the name of Jesus against gay people. Here's the question I want to know. Do they support marriage equality? Do they support same-sex adoption? Do they support LGBTQ rights? They don't say that on the poster. Do they um, support... Do they think homosexuality is a sin? Maybe they do, because they think everything is a sin. Do they think that uh, two gay men who are married should have sex because it's within the confines of marriage? Mm -hmm. Because... A lot of evangelicals will tell you it's wrong no matter what you do. Catholics will definitely say that. They think it's immoral no matter what. And so the question is, do you think homosexuality is a sin? Do you support LGBTQ rights? Right. We do not have the answer to those questions, not on that poster. And anytime someone's holding that poster, you need to get those answers before you accept their apology. Uh, Yes. That's my little soapbox. Uh, no, rant. I think you're a hundred percent right. I think I. I, I know you. I, it's so tempting. I want to give them credit because yes. it seems like they're doing something nice. But the thing is, I don't know what you're apologizing for, and you don't deserve credit because, like, you holding the post, you didn't do anything to me. Don't apologize for other people unless you're telling me, like, I'm working against my church that opposes you, and I'm trying to change them. And I'm working for your rights and I'm fighting for you. That's a real apology because you're making up for it. Just saying, I'm sorry, but I still think you're a sinner. I'm sorry that you, you know, people yell at you. I'm going to nicely tell you you're going to hell if you're in a same sex relationship. That's what I'm seeing in these posters. I mean, I can't disagree with you. You make your, your points all are solid. For me, just a couple weeks ago, I went to the Aurora Pride Parade Mm -hmm. uh, in Illinois, which is our first Pride Parade. It was 97 degrees out. It it was (laughs) so fucking hot out. And I would say one out of every three groups were at church. I believe that completely. Um, And if they're they're genuinely... That's my question, is do you see that like this church is... March in this parade, which presumably they paid for it, yeah. and that's going. Do you think that is a better step than I'm holding a sign saying I'm sorry on behalf it, of Christians? It's not better that they're participating in it, but no? I'm my guess, only a guess, is that a lot of those churches are progressive churches. Yeah, and also that, we live in an area that, that like being a progressive church is not unusual. Right, right, and they probably do support LGBT rights. Yes, and they probably don't think homosexuality is a sin differently than straight people who do the same stuff they rail against. That is fine. We'll have debates about other stuff, but like, Mm. I know your hearts, at least when it comes to LGBTQ rights, you're fighting for the right side, right? Yeah. I'm fine with that. My disagreements are separate, right, from all of that. If they said I'm sorry, I would understand that. 
And if you're an LGBTQ person, like I would understand if you hug those people and accept that apology. Yeah. Fine. But usually the people holding up these signs, they're doing it because they're evangelicals trying to like get a photo op. Wait, you, you say that usually when they're doing this, is that based on anything or is that That's you based being, on the, is that you being mad at these people? No, no, no. The the couple times that they've publicized it to the point where I know which church they're a part of because that became easy to spot. You can look up what they believe. So do you think they're just trying to bring people into the fold? I, no, I think they genuinely feel bad that gay people, like Christians, treat gay people badly. Because I've heard anti-gay... I mean, pick the most anti-gay pastor pastor you could think of in mm-hmm. on, on the media or whatever. Um, I guarantee you that all of... The, I, I'm thinking of Robert Jeffress right now because yeah. he's a Trump supporter on the news all the time. He doesn't... He has no LGBTQ people like this guy, right? Right. For good reason. He will be the first to tell you, I don't want people to treat LGBTQ. I love gay people. I hate their sin. Right. He pushes that thing. He's saying, I'm sorry if you've been treated really badly. I'm not going to treat you badly. Mm -hmm. I just don't support your marriage in big quotation marks. That's what he'll do. And you shouldn't accept that. And like these signs are the same thing. So I'm not saying it's bad. I understand what they're trying to do. I know why I want to like that. Yeah. But uh, and again, I'm speaking as a straight cis guy. What do I know? But I'm saying if you are Literally LGBTQ, nothing. if you are any of this stuff, like before you are quick to say thank you, because that is what all the comments said online. That's what all the beautiful pictures of like gay people running up to those people holding the signs and hugging them. <laughs> yeah. Don't give them that because they haven't earned it. Right. Like, yes. Don't let and, them do that. and I would say to sort of piggyback off that, I, uh, a friend of mine, um, tell me you're sorry. And here's what I'm doing to make that, That's exactly what I was going to say. A friend of mine said like, Hey, my friends and allies, um, I appreciate you wearing rainbow this June and whatever. Tell me what you're doing the rest of the year. Yes. Or at least if you're going to say, I'm sorry, put a big asterisk next to right. it. Right. Yeah. So we yeah, know you don't right. really mean because it. Sor- <laughs> because sorry means nothing without next steps, right? right. Sorry means if, if you're an abusive re- in an abusive relationship, which is a metaphor for, for what the church and, and largely the gay community or women or whatever are, you can say, I'm sorry for hitting you all you want, but if you don't offer a solution, say, I won't do it again, or this is how I'm going to not do it again, why do, I, why do I care? No, you're right. I, I, I think I just need a ray of light so badly. <laughs> By the way, I, as I was, uh, uh, right before I left to come here, I did hear about a church that put up a billboard that said, either I'm sorry or a variation of it, and I was trying to, like, I told one of the writers on the website, like, double check what they believe. By the way, we talked about this. There's a website called Church Clarity that mm-hmm. says, like, we just, we're going to expose what it is your church believes because we know a lot of you try to hide it. Yeah. So if you're going to talk about... Like, we, you can't have it both ways. Yeah. You can't, you can't be the church. Like I, you can't I, be the inclusive, non-denominational church right. when you secretly say in fine print somewhere on your website, but marriages between but one man and sex. one woman. They just say, we just want to tell people what you believe right. instead of you hiding it. Um, but it turns out that billboard is from one of those inclusive churches that really... You know, because a lot of them do. A lot of them very much. And I, yeah, Yeah, they are progressive. I don't know if I told this story last time, um, but I went to Pride with my husband and um, a couple friends, a handful of friends, one of whom is a couple. um, And one of them grew up very religious, and her wife is sort of waffling. 
and they're no longer permitted to go to the one wife's um, church. Mm. Uh, but she's still very religious and wants to kind of fulfill that. And so <laughs> we're standing next to them on the barricade. My one friend, the, the non-religious one, is the one who booed Bruce Rauner from that earlier story. Um, but they're literally like every other church that came down, they're like, oh, we tried that church. Oh, we tried that church. Like there, I think in definitely in the Chicagoland area, cause I lived in Lincoln park for a while and every church has like a rainbow flag flying in front of it, which is, which is great. As I, long as they mean it. As long as they mean <laughs> it. And I don't know. And I can't speak for anybody else's experience because I have no interest in finding a church. But if you are going to be welcoming of the LGBTQ community, like, fucking mean it for once in your life can i add one thing before we go to the viewer mail Uh there's a podcast called startup is it good the podcast itself yeah yeah i like it um their latest season really stressful to me no it's good uh certain seasons better than others i could say that about everything a few years old it is several yeah they're on season five six six seven one of those but like one usually they follow season they vary. Okay. Sometimes they do one new one every episode. So a couple seasons, oh. they followed one the entire season. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but the point I want, usually they follow a tech company as it gets off the ground mm-hmm. and follows it as it goes through good and bad times and stuff like that. The latest season is about church startups because ah, church plants. Like, what do really? you do when you're trying to get church off the ground? And I was listening to the one episode they've released so far. And I'm like, it, it's a good episode. It's interesting. And but part of me is I'm like, I don't remember rooting for a startup to like fail because <laughs> failure in this sense would be no one's coming to their church and they can't raise the money to keep it going. Right. And it's like, well, that's kind of what I want because I know the type of church we're talking about—a non-denominational evangelical church. How, did, how is that fall under the umbrella of a startup? Uh, be, uh, they actually they make the point right off the bat, which is that they're trying to find customers in a sense. They're trying oh, to raise money. They're trying to raise money. They are trying to find leaders and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said it's very much like a tech company. It parallels a lot of the stuff they've talked about. But it was interesting just because I'm like, I kind of want to see them crash and burn from like a atheist a sense. Bitter, As a human, atheist. I'm like, I'm listening to their stories and I'm like, oh man, I hope you do well. Yeah. But then I'm like, wait a minute. No, I don't want them to do well. <laughs> but like, so anyway, they've released one episode so far. It was interesting to listen yeah. to. You should listen to it. I, I might have to dig in. I, startups and capitalism shit kind of stresses me out. <laughs> Although I listen to Planet Money every yeah, week. Yeah, what are you I, doing then? All right, you got reader say. mail? Yeah, I've actually got two. Uh, one is a question, and one is just like a really sweet story that I want to share. That this world is such a fucking dumpster fire that it just we just needed to win. Um, so this is the first one, which is a question. <clears throat> uh, hey, Hem and Jessica, I've been listening to your show for about a month now, and I gotta say, I'm totally hooked. Jessica is legitimately hilarious to me. I know it's weird. <laughs> Anyway, I was wondering if you guys had some advice for me. I'm a 15-year-old atheist living in a heavily Christian home. Not sure how to describe the sect, though. Point is, no one in my family knows I'm an atheist, and since I'm very strong and adamant about, in my opinions, going to church and faking belief is getting exponentially harder as time goes on. Any advice in the situation would be greatly appreciated. Yours, Josh. P.S., Jessica is actually funny, and I think it's because I'm loud and I swear all the time as well. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, yeah. d- address his question, um, uh, Josh, I just w- first of all thank you for listening, and um, and and I appreciate 
you thinking I'm funny. Um, I would uh, challenge you to consider how you give compliments. <laughs> um, I would say that I don't know what sort of peer pressure you're under that you think it's uncool to think I'm funny um, and want to make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> um, but but it's okay to give people compliments without qualification. Um, it's not weird that you think I'm funny. I did comedy professionally for a minute. <laughs> um, and I guess I would say that to many listeners. I feel like I'll, this has been the month of people saying... I'm funny, even though X, or I know everybody else hates you, but you're funny <laughs> to me. Like, guys, you don't need to qualify compliments. You can just say a nice thing, or you don't have to, or you know what? Don't say anything to me, because I'm a real human, and I read all of these things, and sometimes I burst into tears when I'm walking my dog, and my husband's confused, and I have to say, I read another mean thing about me on the internet. And he says, why do you do that? And I say, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Josh, I listen, you're 15. I appreciate you listening. Um, I would just challenge the fact that you felt the need to qualify a thing you like. If you think I'm funny, say I'm funny. Do not feel that you need to couch it in the, <laughs> the fact that it apparently is an extremely unpopular opinion. But Josh, you are a 15-year-old atheist in a Christian home. Listen, if you're living at home, you don't have a million options. Yes. If, you, if your parents make you go to church, you probably have to go to church. Uh, I would suggest two big things. One is you can probably find a community online mm-hmm. or at least a place where you could vent or talk about it. Yes. Um, back in my day, it was you could start an anonymous blog, or not anonymous if you fail <laughs> up for it, but you could do that. If it's 15 um, years later and you have a podcast, yeah. it's not anonymous anymore. Hey, I've seen anonymous YouTubers. I've seen anonymous people yes. on other social media websites, I mean, Reddit, whatever For it is. what it's worth, Josh, you're extremely lucky because you're 15 in 2018. I yeah, was 15 in, in 2000. There were fewer <clears throat> options for me. The other thing I would suggest, so, so whether it's posting your thoughts, whether it's learning about what people are going through, you could do all that, uh, even if you're stuck yeah, at and home. And sometimes you need to just vent. Yeah. And I think the internet is really valuable for it. And I, I, here's what I think is really valuable. Somebody, especially Josh, who's on the... And I don't mean to discount him as a human because he's younger, but like we've all been 15 and mm-hmm. and, you know, you're... When you it, two things, you're a teenager and you're a baby atheist. Like those two things tend to lead to a lot of like I just need to vent my emotions, which is completely legitimate. Um, I think that there are places you can go to be like, this is the stage that I'm in. I'm mad at Christianity, mm-hmm. or I'm mad at whatever. That's why I don't get people who trash kind of Reddit because that is a younger crowd. It that is. is posting things, and they're like, well, it's a lot of memes and it's a lot of people venting. Uh, well, tends to hate women a lot. That too, but it's like you. Uh, maybe not that subreddit as much, but I'm well, like, I, I, I well, shouldn't but they're younger I'm... people who are trying to vent and they have yeah. nowhere else to go. So I'm not surprised to see that. No, I think as you're opposed 100... to well thought out debates. Yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Because like when I go online, when I want to discuss religion, I've been I've been doing this semi professionally for what seven eight years. So and I've been thinking about it my entire life. So I'm in a place where I want to have measured conversations with people who maybe disagree with me, but 
like the Noah's Ark memes, like I've seen them. Yeah. They make me smile and then like, but it doesn't blow my no, mind. Eight and years I ago, I, right. all I wanted to do is be like, oh, look at that meme that says, oh, if we came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? I'm going to fucking tear that shit down. That's all I wanted because that was what I needed at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the important thing, Josh, is to find the online community that is for you, your age, and your stage in yeah. life. Until you can your... find other stuff, whether it's in person or on your own or whatever. Yeah. The other thing I would suggest is if you have to go to church, if your parents are making you go to church, I cannot tell you the value it would be for you, especially if you want to be a vocal, outspoken atheist in the future, learn the stuff they're teaching in yes. there. Because uh, if you want to debate this stuff, mm-hmm. like I'm always hesitant. I, I hate debates in general, but like I'm hesitant about debating like the Bible because I'm like, I don't know it as well as, you know, someone I watch like Delonte all the time. He yeah. knows that stuff. Yeah, Delonte like, well, knows I, that shit forward and back. Yeah, but I'm like, I, and I didn't grow up in it, so I know parts of it, but I don't know the details like you guys do. So if you have to go to church, Use it as a way to as learn, research. like, oh, this is what they believe. This is what that story is. Mm-hmm. And I can talk about that story because I know what they're talking about. So it makes it easier for me to debunk it. By the way, I don't care if you're going to a mosque or a synagogue or any other religious uh, worship service either. Make sure you know what they believe yeah. because then you could say, no, I was you. I know what you guys believe are taught. I know what you believe. And here's why you're wrong about that. It's going to be so much more effective down the line, yeah. especially if you don't have any choice, but to attend, what do you do? You like take mental notes. If you can't take mm-hmm. physical ones and like, Oh, that's the story they're telling. Here's why I know that's wrong. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I would say that the sort of hole in, in Hemant's and my approach to religion is a lot in a lot of ways. Well, you grew up as a Jane, but that's not But a, no one knows it. So yeah, no one that's really not a mainstream religion. And I grew up quote the biggest quote finger is Catholic. Um but I don't know shit about shit. So like neither of us nobody is going to come to us and say, Do you want to debate the Bible? Neither of us is going to be teed up for that. But there are the Dillahunties and the Seth Andrews of the world who are very good at that because they have that. So if you, Josh, if you want to be a part of the movement, that could be your avenue in. And if not, I mean, I know it's frustrating. Also, like everything about being 15 is the fucking worst. Like, not that she's listening to this, but to the YouTuber, I saw this week a video where it was like, I don't think. I want to debate this stuff in the future, even though I talk about this stuff all the time. My first thought, I'm watching this video. I'm like, no, you should. You know what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. I want you out there debating this stuff because you her, lived it. What's her YouTube No joint? comment. Like, I don't want to single oh, okay. her, that her out. I'm saying anybody. Like, when I hear people saying who are really smart, yeah. who talk about this stuff and they're like, I don't really feel like I'm the authority here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you are. Yeah, you I, really know that you lived it. I'm you a little it. torn about the, like, let's debate biblical theology because on the one hand, it's like, well, if they're coming to me with, this is why I believe this because of this Bible quote, is there anything more effective than saying, like, well, a chapter? <laughs> book? A book later, they said basically the opposite. But the other thing is, like, 
well, I don't think I need your Bible to explain to me why children should be kept in cages. No, like, and I don't, I don't think it's more of a political says. or a personal thing. I think it's more of a, a lot of, even colleges and stuff, this is the sort of debates they like to have because mm-hmm. it really does involve something important to everybody, mm-hmm. and they want people who could speak effectively on those different sides. Sure. I cannot tell you, as someone who is public online about this stuff, how many times I've either gotten those requests personally or been asked, do you know someone in this area who might be able to debate this stuff? Yeah. And I can steer people to people in that community who are like, well, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. You should talk to this person. And God, like even aside from all of that, and this isn't like a regret in how I was raised in any stretch, but um, I was a literature major in college and um, I read a, or I, excuse me, I took a an early British literature class or whatever. And my teacher specifically had to assign passages of the Bible to me, <laughs> not to ever, not to the class, but to me, Jessica, because I was like, I've never read Genesis. I don't know what any of this shit means. Like it just, it, it it is in a real way a cultural touch point. If you're not a literature major and you want to make money in your life, then maybe it doesn't matter to you. But I don't know. Like, Josh, you're not in a great position. But unless you feel, you know, there's a couple things. If you feel comfortable talking to your parents about your doubts, I think you're, I, I think that's a good idea if you don't come at them combatively because your parents want the best for you and, I, I think coming out as an atheist often seems like sort of an assault on their morals. That's not to say they're right. It's just trying to be empathetic to make sure you have the best conversation with them possible as opposed to like, fuck your religion, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, if you, I don't know, I, I just um, I don't know, absorb everything you can. And yeah, church is probably hella boring, but learn what you can from it. And um, good luck, I guess, Josh. Um, I have one more letter I wanted to read. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, this is from Morgan. This isn't a question. It was just a... I've had a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and this letter made me feel really good in my heart. And I wanted to read it because sometimes I feel that we're shouting into a void a little bit <laughs> and so um so i wanted to read this and um because it it, it made me feel good and maybe it will for you guys too <clears throat> hi hammond and jessica <sighs> i wanted to share my story and how your podcast has pretty much changed my life i had called myself a christian my whole life 25 years until a month ago i was raised in a christian home and been taught and honestly believed that the bible was the literal word of god and that atheists are unfortunate souls that need to be saved, etc. However, in the last few years, since the hypocrisy of evangelicals and conservative Christians have become increasingly obvious, I've been seriously doubting my faith. Mainly, I couldn't make sense of how quote-unquote Christians and evangelicals could be so intentionally cruel to others, and especially why they kept defending Trump. About two months ago, I decided I would read the Bible cover to cover with an open mind and then decide for myself whether this religion was something I want to be a part of or not. At the same time, I started reading more and more about science, evolution, space, specifically Richard and specifically Richard Dawkins. I also searched for lectures and podcasts about doubt and Christianity, deconversion, and atheism. I was scared of the word, quote, atheist, so 
my whole life, so I hesitantly started listening to one of your episodes. Wouldn't you love to know which like garbage episode you listened to first? <laughs> I was shocked at how you guys instantly felt like my best friends because literally everything you said was exactly what my views were was on the same topic. I'd get outraged and want to rant with you. It's it was great to know that other people had the same standards and morals to me, yet are not Christian. Was I ever a Christian? I was so terrified to step outside the Christian label and acknowledge what I actually was. And your podcast was instrumental in helping me see that there is more to life than faith in Christianity. It's been a strange process of deconversion, and I was stuck in an existential crisis for a few weeks, but I'm, but I'm okay now to call myself an atheist. In fact, I even told my parents last week that I don't believe in God anymore, and they didn't even judge me. So, all this is to say thank you. I'm finally myself, and I'm not living in the mental prison of religion. It's incredibly empowering to realize that there's no God always watching me and listening to my thoughts. Thanks for always speaking the truth and making great shows. I always enjoy listening because it's like hanging out with my friends. Morgan. Thank you, Morgan. That was beautiful. It was, A, like, super well-written, which made me want to read it, but, man, God, that warms the cockles of my cold black heart. <laughs> hey, this um, this podcast is something I love very, very, very much. Sometimes it feels like people listen to it so they can say mean things to us. Just me. You're the one saying mean things? All the time. Oh, Hammond, that's pretty <laughs> rude. You're in my house and drinking my mediocre wine. How could you? Tastes good. You don't know. I don't. <laughs> um... Anyway, Hammett, what's your uh, what's your happy thing this week, buddy? Uh, baby's potty trained. One's done. Yeah, his <laughs> oldest is potty trained. Apparently, she did it in like a fucking day and a half. He has genius human children. What's yeah. the other one doing? Is is he? I'm changing that one's diapers every damn day. <laughs> wow, once a day, you're so brave. Many many times a day. <laughs> um, my happy thing because it's such a shitty week. Um, I rediscovered a, a, an album I used to love by Patty Griffin called Living With Ghosts. It's from 1996. It's really old. Not that old. It's from 1996. But I discovered it when I was working at... Do you remember Max and Irma's? They're not really in the Chicagoland area anymore. Uh, I've never been there, but I, it's a place to eat at. It's like a TGI Friday's Chili's level thing. And I worked there all through college um, as a waitress. And there was this woman who was a waitress with me, and she was, like, this fucking badass musician. She was, a f- I think, the first out lesbian I ever knew and was just, like, cool and rock and roll and a guitarist, and I just was sort of obsessed with her. And she turned me on to this, to, to Patty Griffin and, and Living With Ghosts specifically, and it's just one of those things that, like, it came up recently, and I've just been listening to it nonstop. So if you're li- if you're into, like sort of folky acoustic music. I really like it. Sweet Lorraine is in Mad Mission are my two favorites. Hammond, where can I find you on the Twitters? I am on the Twitters at Hammond Meta and I'm at friendlyatheist.com. And please go to iTunes and rank us all the stars. Yeah. And go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Yeah. Somebody said that I suffered from the delusion that I'm interested. That I'm interesting. Sorry. <laughs> wow. The biggest drawback to the show is that the co-host, Jessica, suffers under the delusion that she's interesting. Anyway, he gave us five stars, so, like, that's fine. You can't even really be mad 
at the insults. Right? Like, do I take the four stars? I've always taken the full, if you're going to write a nasty comment on my website, but you clicked on my website, I'll take it. Yeah. like, And then I won't read it. I don't know. <laughs> no, okay. I was going to say something terrible. Anyway, uh, you can find me at, on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Um, you can find me, oh, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. Um, I'm, I'm working, I'm almost done with a photorealistic cross-stitch of Ge- Jeff Goldblum's face, <laughs> which might be an affront to God, but it, but it looks really good. <laughs> um, take your word on that. Yeah, no, don't look at it. You can, e- um, we always accept listener mail or just like nice words. Nice words are nice once in a while. And hey guys, if, if you want to say you like one of us, you don't have to trash the other, nor do you have to say, I know this is unpopular, but I like you. You can, you can just say that. I like to say every, every email we get has many nice things to say about Jess, and they just ignore me entirely, <laughs> which I don't care about, but it makes me laugh. They're like, Jess is awesome. Hema, here's the question, or like, here's the question to both of you. I'm right here. But okay, but I think people have strong opinions about me, and most of them hate me. And so the ones who like don't hate me are like, just please don't leave it. Oh, being a woman on the internet is the fucking worst. Um, hey, thank you for listening. Um, please, if you have questions, if you have nice things to say, if you have shitty things to say, God knows I'll read them all. I was. Friendly at this podcast at gmail.com. Oh, um, we I we just posted a bonus episode. We it, did. It, it's I listened to it yesterday. It's very dumb. It's me and my brother talking about the satanic panic of the 1980s. Uh, we recorded it over a year ago, and my brother literally wrote into a podcast to make that's why I've been on your ass, by the way, to Thank get you. to get it released. Is because my brother wrote into a fake podcast judge, Judge John Hodgman, to be like, Can you please make my sister nice. release? Well, because we, re- we recorded it like, Oh, we'll eventually need, we'll miss a week. Right. And we right, just right. haven't because we have no lives and we don't do no. anything. So, anyway, that dropped. It's. Everyone should have gotten it. It's on the main feed. Yeah, it's on the main feed. Um, this week you'll another... get something else soon, maybe if I get around to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hate I got to rush you. Diapers to like change, this. just half as many as before. <laughs> yeah. Now you only have one baby, right? Sure. Well, That's and the older one's told. like basically an adult, right? Pretty much. Does she drive yet? Or she's, I'm, she's my ride. <laughs> okay, um, guys, thank Longest you. Longest episode ever. Yep. Yeah, bye. Bye.